Okay, good morning, everyone. My name is Colette Gelwicks and I use she, her pronouns. I'm a white woman with long brown hair wearing a blue top. I'm a member of your board of trustees and it's my pleasure to welcome you to service this morning at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers as well, whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. This morning, I'm also incredibly pleased to welcome Reverend Anthony Jenkins back to UUCC for this morning's service. He'll be serving as guest preacher and as one of the many wonderful musicians uh, that we have in the sanctuary this morning. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet you. A few housekeeping notes as we begin. For those of you in the sanctuary, we do have hearing assist devices available from the team in the tech booth. Also, please do not join the Zoom meeting. Uh, finally, we ask that you silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. In terms of the order of service, you can find it using either the link chat QR codes posted in the building. Later in the service, we'll be honoring community members' personal joys and sorrows. So you may write yours in the book at the bank, back of the sanctuary or email them to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. Finally, there have been some questions about protocol. Uh, so here in the sanctuary, well, for you in the sanctuary, <laughs> Everyone is remaining masked throughout the service, except for speakers on the chancel who are invited, but not obligated to remove their masks when speaking if they've been vaccinated against COVID. We have a number of announcements this morning. First, together with members of the UU Congregation of Frederick, UUCC will ordain member Jen Raffensperger into the UU ministry this afternoon at 4 p.m please plan to join this wonderful celebration on Zoom, uh, featuring pre-recorded live music, welcomes from both the Frederick and Columbia congregations, and a sermon preached by Reverend Anthony Jenkins. UUCC's Vegetarian Cooking Show is back for season two, and the first show will air tonight on Zoom at 5 p.m. Our own Katie Servi will be preparing roasted potatoes with seasoned lentils and dill sauce, and that sounds pretty good. Cook along with Katie or just watch and socialize, but don't miss the fun this evening. To register and access the recipe, please, con please connect with Katie. Also for those, just a note, also for those who would like to tell into both Jen Raffensperger's ordination and the cooking show, please note that the ordination will last longer than one hour. So there is gonna be an overlap there. Um, for years, the youth of UUCC have planned and executed an annual Halloween party for UUCC community members of all ages. After a hiatus last year, this tradition is back in a new outdoor format. Join us next Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Owen Brown Interface Center for a free family-friendly Halloween event. Come take a haunted path tour with one of our guides and celebrate this spooky season with the UUCC community and our neighbors. 
This is a fully outdoor event for the whole family. Costumes are welcome and uh, our next announcement, with all the hurricanes, floods, forest fires, and legislation, the climate crisis is in the news almost daily. The climate team's annual meeting will be on Sunday, November 7th at 4 p.m. via Zoom. After a quick review of activities in 2021, our main focus will be planning for 2022. What are the most important and effective ways we members of UUCC can help with the climate crisis? This is a participatory meeting and we believe we'll have something for everyone. If you have any ideas, expertise, or questions, please contact us, and we hope you'll join us November 7th. And now a quick update from your Board of Trustees. At our meeting this past Tuesday, we identified three open questions to begin discussing this year. Stay tuned for opportunities to participate. We also began the process of reviewing our policies. And in addition, we are finalizing membership for our three new committees. You'll be able to read all the details in the Good Governance blog that will be published later this week. And now we'll hear from Michael Adcock, Director of Music Ministry. Good morning, UCC. It's great to see all your faces here. And we welcome Anthony and also the wonderful guest musicians that he's brought along. Thank you for being with us this morning. So after almost 20 long months of no concerts and several canceled events, I'm thrilled to announce that the Chalice Concert Series will return to the sanctuary for an in-person, live, and hybrid Zoom event on Saturday, November 6th. I couldn't be happier to welcome back a performing guest musician in our sanctuary, and we're excited to present this novel single concert of unique and rarely heard classical banjo. That's right, <laughs> classical banjo, featuring the talents of John Bullard, Given the ongoing tentative nature of being together in the building, we thought that bringing an, a, a string instrument, non-singing soloist, as the first concert back was probably a prudent choice. We're hoping that this will be a concert that might appeal to a broad range of folks, as John will present his program as a narrative of a hero's journey through music. If you enjoy listening to classical guitar events and the wonderful acoustics of our sanctuary, this would be the ideal concert for you. And for winter and spring of 2022, the Chalice Concerts have planned a three-concert series, and we hope to have an online brochure available for that by early December, when we will once again welcome back our generous patrons and maestri, in addition to single ticket options. Ticket link buttons for the November 6th banjo recital are available on both the concert and event pages of the website, as well as you'll see them embedded in the weekly link notices. And we really hope to see you live or over Zoom in early November. Thank you. Morning, family. Morning. No place like home, huh? <laughs> Once upon a time in the 12th chapter of a very long letter to the church of Corinth in Greece, the soul known as St. Paul said this, to keep me grounded, stop me from becoming too high and mighty, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a nagging nuisance of darkness, a messenger sent to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. I begged the Lord three times to take it away from me, and finally God said to me, my grace is enough to cover and sustain you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I am at peace and even delight in any weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, and afflictions, because when I am at my weakest, then I am made strong. Once upon this right now time in this right place, I hold the following five truths to be self-evident. One, everybody's got a thing, a thorn. 
Although really a thorn could be a person, place, or thing that challenges you, a growing edge. Two, thorns are very not temporary. Think resident evil, a painfully dark thing with static cling. If you're being honest, you've got a nagging nuisance of some sort that keeps you honest, a messenger that keeps you on the struggle bus, keeping your ego from getting too high and mighty, keeping your soul in constant touch with its black keys, with its dark side. Despite everything in your power, and you trying every trick in the book with your higher power, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, good grief, truth be told, you made promises you couldn't keep to gods you didn't even believe in, and still, there is your thorn, wounding you, puzzling you, over and over again. Three, many of life's most painful and puzzling thorns are invisible. Evidence of some people's thorns can be seen clear as day. Skin conditions, walking sticks, stair lifts, seeing eye dogs, nagging antagonists. Some thorns are crystal clear to the ear, a stutter, speech delay, snoring, and or hitting the snooze button over and over again. A thorn could be a band that you just can't stand, that won't go away, and you simply can't understand why any soul would want to see or hear them. For me, this would definitely be ABBA. <laughs> but that's another service for another time. Many of my life's most painfully puzzling thorns are struggles that live beneath a person's surface. You probably never guess it. If they flat out told you, you might not believe it. And even if you believed it, you still might not ever fully understand it, which can make the struggling soul feel super invisible. And the evidence you often see from that person, ironically, is not their invisible thorn, but the visible coping mechanism. You don't necessarily see the insecurity, you see the security blanket. Four, thorns create and cultivate grace. Firstly, grace with yourself. Patience with all the worry and fear and shame and guilt that your thorn's darkness brings to light. Grace in learning to live each day with a thorn that may never fully go away. A cancer, a complex, an addiction, an eating disorder affliction a trauma, a toxic family of origin, a sickle cell, a life in prison cell. Grace is the light of self-acceptance and self-love that fights the mind's constant temptation to feel flawed. Grace is good grief. Secondly, thorns grow grace in your loved ones, as you must often lean on them when your thorn flares up and tears you up and strips you bare. The holy comforters that catch you when you free fall keep helping you climb no matter how much you keep falling. Even when they don't understand the what, why, or how of your difficulties, they don't disappear. Even when your unfriendly fire wounds them, their purple hearts keep falling in. Thorns keep you grounded in this eternal truth. You need other people to love you through life. Independence is an optical illusion. Five, your thorn, your deepest struggle, often turns out to also be your deepest strength and your saving grace. For me, there are no accidents in the universe, which is to say your thorns exist with great purpose, given your soul's life purposes. You shine not in spite of your darkness, but in the light of it. As far as I can see, there is no visible or invisible space between life's ebony yin and ivory yang. Everything is in its right place at its right time. More about this later. In the meantime, for your morning's time for all ages, you have some soul work to do. Four questions, feel, into free, feel, feel free to fill in the invisible blanks between now and then. And I'll invite a few of you to share when we arrive there. Clear as a bell? Very well.
Good morning, UUCC and friends, whether you're with us virtually or here in the sanctuary, it's great to be with all of you. My name is Paige Getty. My pronouns are she and her, and it is a great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation. As we gather for worship, I invite you now to take a deep breath, open mind, heart, and body, and allow the ringing of the bell to call you fully into worship. February 1985, Melody Gardot was born. At age nine, she began lessons on the Ebony's and Ivory's piano. By 16, she was gigging in bars. At age 19, she was riding her bicycle and was struck by an SUV, sustaining head, spinal, and pelvic injuries, landing her in a hospital bed for a year, struggling mightily with the thorns of memory loss and extreme sensitivity to light and sound. However, she also landed a physician who believed music would help heal her brain, so she listened to the quietude of Stan Getz which gently comforted her nerves, and she relearned how to hum and then how to sing into a tape recorder. She couldn't sit comfortably at the piano, so she learned to play guitar on her back. Songwriting was her saving grace, her soul comforted by its own softly sensitive soundscapes. She is now a known entity on the world's jazz stages upon which she appears with her walking stick and her dark glasses. Grammy-nominated songs that are medicine for many souls, not in spite of her traumatic injuries, but in light of them. In the words of the good Lord, Lord Byron, she walks in beauty like the night. In that spirit, we will invite you into this ray of nightlight from 2009, Soulful Blues by Melody Gardot called Who Will Comfort Me? down from all my misery yeah. oh Lord who will comfort me my soul is weary beaten down from all my misery yeah. oh Lord who will comfort me they have Got a hole in my heart that keeps me bound when the whole wide world is free. Yeah, oh Lord, who will comfort me? Got a hole on my heart that keeps me down when the whole wide world is free. Yeah, oh Lord, who will comfort me? Babe, I've been babe, 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 bab
please join now in speaking together our congregational covenant, these promises that we have made to one another and that we reaffirm over and over again. The words will appear on your screen. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. And now you're invited to greet one another if you're here in the room in whatever socially distanced appropriate ways you can do that. Turn and look at the camera over the doors in the back and wave to everybody who's with us on Zoom this morning, over 100 devices logged in. It's good to be together. Once upon a time, February 1901, Langston Hughes was born. 
climbing to become the soul of the Harlem Renaissance and a poet laureate of the African-American experience, lifting many souls above the sharp tacks and flat splinters of racial injustice. Many scholars are crystal clear that Hughes was born with two crosses to bear, his hue, darkness, his love language, LGBTQ. And that day, being visibly gay was an evident unforgivable in the crossed eyes of the black church, landing one many insults, hardships, and persecutions in the black community. For Langston, love was a dream deferred. And yet, in my eyes, this painfully puzzling perspective was also his soul's purpose, an ebony pen with rainbow ink born onto a spiral-bound ivory page, channeling visible grace through language for life's invisibly struggling souls not in spite of his black keys, but in the natural light of them. For me, there are no accidentals in the universe. Could I have a volunteer to light the chalice? Not all at once, come on in. It's a piece called Mother to Son by Langston Hughes. Well, son, I'll tell you, life for me Ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor, bare. But all the while, I've been climbing on, reaching landings and turning corners, and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps because you find this kind of hard. Don't you fall now, for I'm still going, honey. I'm still climbing. And life, for me, ain't been no crystal stair. Once upon a time, July 1938, Bill Withers was born with the thorn of a severe stutter an affliction that seared his childhood years with insults, persecutions, mocking, and bullying. For him, classroom life was no crystal stair. Most school days were overloaded with classless attacks of splinters and shade. Ninth grade was so much of a painful and sorrowful struggle that he dropped out. However, at age 17, he would drop into the U.S. Navy. And there, he'd finally have speech therapists to lean on, who understood his black keys and could lend a hand. During his nine Navy years, he became comfortably confident in his voice, first in speech and then in singing and writing songs. A few of Withers' self-evident truths won Grammys. Many others became all-time classics on the soundtrack of American blackness very necessary to any proper block party or blue light basement. For life, Withers would often visit groups of kids struggling with speech impediments and make their days lovely. His stutter never fully went away. It stayed for all 71 years of his life. And so it was, the struggle for which others gave Bill Withers the most grief, his perceived limitation, became the strength through which he gave the world the most grace, rising not in spite of his voice, but in light of it. Will you all rise in spirit or in body and join in singing as we are led by Vicki and the band Lean On Me?
Sometimes in our lives we all have pain, we all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on please swallow your pride if I have things you need to borrow for no one can feel those are your needs that you won't let show you just call on me brother when you need a hand we all need somebody to lean on I just might have a problem that you'd understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Lean on me when you're not strong. And I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I Anybody had a chance to fill out any of the questions on their uh, time for all ages sheet? Anybody brave? Wow, awesome. What's your name? Liz. Liz. Thank you, Liz. Liz said her favorite superhero is Iron Man. Anybody else agree? Okay. Wonder Woman also. Anybody else pick Wonder Woman? All right, what would you say are Iron Man's superpowers? Anybody got a, a, a guess? She said he can do anything and everything. Wonder Woman superpower, same thing, right? Uh, third question is what things or people are super struggles? She said bad guys. <laughs> Four, given their origin story, what might their life purpose be? Help the world be a better place. Very nice, Liz. Thank you. Let's try Superman. Anybody Superman person? Yeah. All right, what are Superman's superpowers? Fly. Fly, faster than speeding bullet, right? Locomotive, all that? All right, what, is, what are Superman's struggle? Like, what's his struggle? What else? <laughs> thorn can be a person, right? So Lex Luthor is a thorn for, for Superman. You could say, well, this person is not going away, this is a thorn, blah, 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 but Lex Luthor keeps Superman getting better, and Superman keeps Luthor getting better. Does that make sense? 
So given the origin story of Superman, who is an orphan, is adopted, right? You can say his life's purpose, sole purpose, is maybe giving other people family. It's making it so nobody has to feel how he felt, which was abandoned, perhaps. Does that make sense? Anybody Batman? Anybody choose Batman? Okay, humor me on this. What are Batman's superpowers? Yes, Batman's superpower is money because Batman has no superpowers, right? Batman has really cool equipment, really cool technology. So what would you say Batman's weakness is? If you take away his stuff, he's just a guy, right? So what this means is, and this is true for every superhero, right? Each one of them has this like thorn that if you bring kryptonite around Superman or you take Batman's stuff away from him, it requires grace of other people to help them. This is the cool thing about superheroes. Every one of them has something that if you do this to them, they are powerless. And that means they need loved ones to help them. Does that make sense? Superman needs a lot of grace if you bring kryptonite around because he's just no good. He's not super. It doesn't mean he's not a super person in general. It means all of these super people still have these sort of struggles that they work through. And given the life purpose of these, I want you to consider how that infuses their life purpose. Does that make sense? Keep filling this out as we go along, but stay with this, right? Think about how the struggle can become a strength. Sound good? We're gonna sing together Spirit of Life, one, two, three. The lyrics will be up on the thing. Tom is gonna play piano for the first time through. The second time through, we're going to do this a cappella. Clear? Please rise as you are able in body, mind, spirit. Spirit of life, 
Come to me, come to me. Once upon a time, Mother's Day, 1950, Stevie Wonder was signed, sealed, and delivered. Six weeks premature. A soul born with the thorn of blindness, which his mom believed was God's punishment for the sins of her less than graceful past. She worried that her son would never be happy because he'd never see. A superstition to which he said, essentially, don't you worry about a thing, mama. Turns out he could play anything. He was a prodigy on nearly every musical instrument, including his own voice. He signed with Motown at age 11, and he never looked back. Countless visible awards and deeply impactful songs in the key of life. Across seven decades and seven continents, wonder is limited, technically, to the invisible and to only four of natural senses. Yet, he has a supernatural sixth sense, inner vision. The ability, visibility, to see into the heart of life with crystal clarity and voice the universal language of love. MLK, for whom Stevie secured a national holiday, once said, only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. I'd say Stevie Wonder is the brightest kind of dark star, enlightening humanity, not in spite of his vision, but in light of it. Our musicians are now going to again offer their gift of music. At this time, we invite the children who would like to join Miss Kelly and Miss Robin outside for some of their religious education time to join them here at the back, and you'll go outside together. And the rest of you are invited to give generously of your gifts, either by placing checks or cash in the basket at the back of the sanctuary, or anyone, whether here or online, may give by text or online. Your offerings will now be freely given and very gratefully received. Everybody's got a thing, but some don't know how to handle it. Always reaching out in vain, just taking the things not worth having. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing, mama. Cause I'll be standing on the side when you check it out You say your style of life's a drag And that you must go other places But just don't you feel too bad When you get fooled by smiling faces Don't you worry about a thing don't you worry about a thing, mama Cause I'll be standing on the side when you check it out When you get off your trip Don't you worry about
Don't you worry about a thing Don't you worry about it so far? Dear Tobias, well, son, I'll tell you. Once upon a time, September 12, 2017, 5.37 p.m., you arrived. For me, there are no accidents in the universe. Everything is in its right place, which means you were signed, sealed, and delivered Bishah Tovah, as they say in the Hebrew language, at the right time, at a good hour. 5.37 p.m. is right in the middle of rush hour, which is ironic because you were in no rush at all. So it's a long labor of tough love, no rest for your weary mama. She opted for a natural birth, good goddess. You opted for a late checkout, <laughs> full grace period. Time did not fly. We tried everything in our highest powers to get you to turn the amen corner and reach out for your landing. Thankfully, there is the grace of gravity. Your mama hit a sacrifice fly in the bottom of the 12th. You slid into home plate head first. And suddenly you were there, looking at us, looking at you for the first time. And we're clear, you arrived at the right time, at a good hour, good grief. You were the rainbow miracle that followed our miscarriage, the good after the grief, as evidenced by your first name, Tobias, which happens to mean God is good. Though for me, it means much more than that. More about that later. Right after you came out, I checked you out. Ten fingers, check. Ten toes, check. Every body thing was in its right place, as far as I could see. All the visible yang stuff. But what does that really mean? I'd say most of the being in a human being is invisible. Holy darkness beneath the surface. Mind, soul, yin stuff. While I was looking at my brand new infant, you, I was remembering the essence of my infant dedications. Essentially, no accidents in the universe. You all are just right for one another, as much for your strengths as for your struggles. You have what the other needs, which is not always what they think they will want, but your life purposes are all divinely intertwined accordingly, whether blood, foster, adopted, and or blended. A family picture is like a funky, clunky jigsaw puzzle, but everything is in its right place. The month after your birth, October, we got a call from your pediatrician. Evidently, you needed to get a sweat test to rule out cystic fibrosis. So, Children's Hospital in D.C., then back home to await your fate. Life for three days was no crystal stare. We were bracing, pacing, and puzzled because you had shown zero visible signs. Yet there we were, fleshing out all of that thorns, tacks, and splinters, trying to imagine what life would look like. That Friday, your doctor called to give us the all-clear, deep sigh of relief, good grief. And two days later, you were front and center at UUCC watching me get ordained. Everything in its right place. And yet, I knew that someday it would be some thorn. At the right time, some challenge would come through you that would grow us all gracefully past the edge of what we thought we could handle. Maybe when you were one, maybe not until you were 27, 
and we might not be sharp enough to guess it. Hopefully we would believe it if you flat out told us, but even if we never fully understood it, I knew that we would love you through it. Anyway, your first year was a delight. Your first evident visible, your two-finger thumb-sucking variation, index and middle together, either hand. <laughs> Truth be told, it's actually the prana mudra, which is all about waking up sleeping chi, prana being Sanskrit for spirit of life. I mean, how heartwarming is that? Over that first year, we held these five self-evident truths to be crystal clear. One, structures. You loved creating structures, stacking up blocks and careful columns, lining up magnets in orderly rows. You also loved structures that moved, mainly trucks, planes, and trains. Big fan of ceiling fans. Anything with a spin, you were all in. You also seemed deeply comforted by daily structure, routine, rhythms that you could repeat over and over and over everything in its right place. Two, sensitivity. Textures, you loved them. It wasn't uncommon to see you snuggling with something soft, a scarf or a blanket, particularly if it smelled like your mama. Also, all six of your senses were highly sensitive. Loud noises, loud people, bright lights, sharp smells, flat tastes, and rough textures were all no bueno. Quiet as it's kept, you get all that honestly from your mama. Three, connection. To be clear, you loved life and people. You just weren't that into new people. Not at first, except for Halle Getty. Bless her heart. It usually took you some time to connect, to turn unfamiliar corners and open your spirit to life. The stranger danger struggle was real. And I can't say I blame you. Trust issues were self-evident for me into my early 20s, and probably still would be, were it not for the grace of base and nearly 20 years of daily meditation. What I'm saying is, you get it honestly from dad, so feel free to blame me whenever you get around to therapy. Four, memory. Your memory was exceptional. Not long after we were reading books to you, you were echoing them back to us. Monologues of memorized texts quoted like low-key speeches, recitals in a sense. I wonder where you got that from. <laughs> Five, communication. You were clearly a communicator, talking all the time, you just seem to be taking your time and developing creative language. You didn't really ask questions or answer questions or really connect phrases much. Your speech was a bit delayed. But your checkups always went well. Your provider wasn't worried about a thing, so neither were we. You were clearly quite bright and funny, playful, thoughtful, beautiful, and creatively destructive. <laughs> Everything in its right place. Anywho, time flew. The days and nights were long, but those first two years were very short. Your sister Genevieve joined our tribe visibly in August 2019. You gave her the side eye the first night. She was new people. <laughs> but she warmed up pretty quickly. Thickest thieves ever since. That September you turned two and we PCS to San Antonio, People's Republic of Texas. And boy, were they them. First evident visible, flags. Texas flags everywhere. American flags, meh. They were clear. Texas didn't join America. America joined Texas. Second evident invisible, foolishness. I'm crystal clear in just two years here, state flag, or at least the flag outside the current governor's mansion should probably just be a red flag, as in warning and danger, 
Good Lord. Anyway, you turned two. 2019 turned into 2020. The COVID-19 thorn turned the world on its side. The murder of George Floyd turned the volume up on a righteous uprising. The struggle was real. The revolution would be televised on the block, at the border, lifting many souls into their life purposes because of those thorns, not in spite of them. Everything in its right place. Your mom found herself starting a psych NP degree at Hopkins. I found myself at a joint base getting to love on every branch of the DOD family tree. We found a just right place for you and your sis in San Antonio called the Discovery School. Three days a week, three hours a day, family-owned, warm-hearted teachers who were all big fans of you. They found you to be sweet, quiet, shy, kind. You were a gentle giant outside the home. Inside the home, however, there had been a major key change. After you turned two, it seemed like some sleeping chi was awakened. Suddenly, your deepest strengths were now also your deepest struggles. You still loved your structures, but now, if and when the blocks fell down, you had a meltdown, which also happened if plans changed without warning, or if you felt rushed, or if one of your things was not in its right place. You now seemed extremely sensitive to everything, light, sound, textures, the same appliances that used to soothe you, blenders and vacuum cleaners, now had you covering your ears in tears, screaming, loud noise. The irony being that the loudest noise on the block was usually you screaming. <laughs> Brushing your hair and cutting your nails were now epic battles. And all the books you used to love, you tore up bare. Making connections became challenging for you, whether it was making eye contact, catching a ball, or riding a bike. You were surely communicating, but Creative language was still an uphill climb, and sitting still felt like hard labor for you. Your memory was still quite good, except now it was too good. Any painful or puzzling experience, emotional or sensory, was locked in your memory, and you threw away the key. Accordingly, potty training was kind of a train wreck. First time you peed a strange, new, and sensory feeling, you promptly fleed the bathroom, an uprising. And yours were not the typical toddler, isn't he precious, meltdowns. They were precious Lord, take my hand, meltdowns. Super emo, supernovas, often without warning. Technically, this was all your same yang light. Structure, sensitivity, connection, memory, communication, flipped yin side out, growing us past the edge of what we thought we could handle. And there was also quite a bit of joy, laughter, Many moments where your heart warmed ours, and you were making many growthful strides, turning corners in your own time, singing and dancing, narrating everything. Fittingly, you came to really dig jigsaw puzzles. Life with you was puzzlingly complex in almost every way, but everything was in its right place. Right around Thanksgiving, Mom dropped by the Discovery School for a heart-to-heart -heart with your teacher, who talked mostly about how much of a joy you were and how you were secretly her favorite. She also had a list of evident visibles that she had discovered were challenging for you. It read, big changes are very stressful, particularly starting class and potty training. Hard for him to stay seated. Repetition of phrases. Very much prefers a quiet setting. Loud children make him uneasy. We already held these truths to be self-evident. None of these pieces were new. It was the puzzle that was forming as we began to connect the pieces. That was new. At the bottom of your teacher's list were some resources for developmental pediatricians who evaluated kids for learning differences. 
She didn't say the word out loud. She didn't have to. The picture felt crystal clear. Your mom came home and sat down. We had a DRTC, dining room table conversation. No actual dining, just big feelings. The only other time we had a DRTC was the night of November 8th, 2016, your mother's birthday, but also election day. We were puzzled, sensing that life for the next four years would be no crystal stare, and we needed to process our grief out loud. This DRT was more sweet than bitter. Life for that last year had already been kind of hard. We sensed in that moment a stair lift, a light at the end of the tunnel. We said it out loud for the first time, autism. A great weight began to lift, and we were full of thanksgiving and good grief. Relief that what you had had a name. It had treatments, therapies, resources, and success stories. We guessed about it. We didn't fully understand it but we believed that a diagnosis of ASD, autism spectrum disorder, would bring clarity and much needed community. It was a full spectrum moment. In two years, we went from, oh Lord, who will comfort me if you have this thorn, to oh Lord, who will comfort me if you don't have this thorn. Now we needed a medical provider other than your mother to see it and believe it and understand it and say it out loud so we could start getting you support. Getting an autism eval appointment, however, ain't no crystal stare. Six to 12 month wait lists are typical. The first eval, kind of a spin doctor, more gaslight than light at the end of the tunnel. He didn't see any of our truths as evidently visible. He was neither convinced nor concerned that you might be autistic. He wasn't worried about a thing, except your mom. He suggested that she just needed to have more patience and grace with you. And it took all the grace in her, which is a lot, not to put him in his right place. In any case, we didn't take no for an answer. Mom advocated and administrated and waited and landed you an appointment at what would turn out to be a just right place in Austin. A team of warm-hearted caregivers who took their time and saw the whole picture clear as day. On the summer solstice of 2021, the day with the most visible light, they said it out loud. Mild autism, ASD. And suddenly you had holy comforters to lean on, speech therapists to help you with connection and communication occupational therapist to help you with sensitivity and movement. And all while you were learning, your mom and I were immersed in autism books and docs, learning all we could. The more we read, the more we understood, the more it all made sense, the more we could see the signs in the rearview mirror, missed largely because you were so high functioning, and also because autism is a puzzle. Any one of its pieces on their own is maybe just a quirk. All souls have some ASD symptoms, but only some have all of them. You have worked you had worked around your thorn until you couldn't anymore. Now you don't have to. And now we hold these five self-evident truths to be crystal clear. Your thorn, your deepest struggle, often turns out to also be your deepest strength and your saving grace. Well, son, I'll tell you, once upon a time, September 1984, my mama took me to see the movie Ghostbusters for my sixth birthday. During the scene when Sigourney Weaver's eyes turned green, I bolted out of the theater up the aisle, out the door. Big changes, big feelings, sensory overwhelm, I could not hang. So I ghosted my mom, but only till she found me in the lobby. The writer of Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd, was born with two thorns, Tourette's syndrome and Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism. And autistic children often have super intense focused interests in one or two subject areas, enthusiasms. 
As a child, Aykroyd was low-key obsessed with both the paranormal, ghosts, and law enforcement, busters. <laughs> a person's thorn becomes a focus area by default. They spend a lot of time with it, a lot of energy on it, becoming intimately familiar with its sharps and flats. They often become a low-key expert on their thorn, teaching and then advocating, at first because they have to, but then they find they want to. Maybe they go back to school to learn how to care for other souls with their thorn, and that becomes one of their life purposes. Perhaps the super struggle was the superpower the whole time. Everything in its right place. Four, thorns create and cultivate grace. One of the most honest-to-God, gentle, and grace-filled human beings I've ever known lived with the very not-temporary thorn of cancer. His name was James. Right after you were born, I messaged James to tell him the good news. I also told him I'd never met a soul with his purity of heart, and that I could only hope my son would grow into a man who moved through the world with his humble grace. I told him we'd chosen his last name, Tobias, as your first name, accordingly. He told me that he was so honored he cried. This day last year, October 17th of 2020, he died. Bashar Tobar, at a good hour. For me, it was good grief, mostly relief that James was free from suffering, Sadness for his wife's son, he, cancer, grew a saintly kind of grace in her over time. And yet I think it was James living in the shadow of death for so many years that moved him to bring such graceful light to life. I feel sure he is standing by your side from the other side, checking you out. But he was a librarian by trade, so he probably doesn't appreciate all the ripped up books. <laughs> many of life's most three, many of life's most painful and puzzling thorns are invisible. Evidence of some children's thorns are clear as day a wheelchair, a stutter, a seeing-eye dog. Your thorn, autism, is an evident invisible. People see a child on the spectrum screaming under a desk or spinning in the center of a room, repeating phrases or isolating. They see the coping mechanisms, the way that souls with autism keep themselves emotionally regulated when they are overwhelmed by the world. But the world doesn't see the insecurity. They see the security blanket. Most of the world also doesn't know what to say if you share with them that your child has autism, so they usually say nothing. I'm sure I also said nothing until ASD became a focus area for me by default. Some of the world responds as if autism is a problem to be solved, as if it's a fatal flaw or a life sentence or death sentence from God, a punishment for some flaw in your parents. For me, God is all that exists, a oneness, which would mean that there is no one for God to punish but God. More about that some other time. Two, thorns are very not temporary. If we're being honest, your autism may never fully go away, and that's okay. Neither will we. One, everybody's got a thing, a thorn. Truth be told, one in 60-ish souls have your thorn, though no two people with autism have exactly the same thorn. It's a spectrum, rainbow of potential possibilities. Neurodivergent is a fancy word as opposed to neurotypical. Whatever. You have special software, a very unique kind of wiring that shapes the way you experience the world. And the world for you is puzzlingly complex, full of languages that are foreign to you at birth, body language, facial expressions, full of places with really intense lights and noises that completely overwhelm your sensory sensitivities, i.e. the Rainforest Cafe. Sorry about that full of big changes that frighten you into big feelings and make painful memories that don't easily go away for you. 
full of all these moving parts you're trying to connect while they spin in all kinds of directions. The behaviors of yours that challenge us most are actually your coping mechanisms, ways you keep yourself balanced and in stride, ways you communicate, life for me right now ain't no crystal stair, but I'm still trying to climb. And that is just flat out brave. Grace and gravity. The other day I turned a corner and saw you in the living room, your trademark two fingers in mouth holding your favorite blanket, reciting a chunk of green eggs and ham, and suddenly I could see the picture clear as day. You're Linus from Peanuts. Stay with me on this, don't go away. Linus first appeared in the same month you did, September. He's a resonant quoter of things, bright, kind, quiet, quirky. Linus is fascinated with building structures, usually blocks. He learns fast. He blows balloons in neurodivergent ways. At first, his sentences are small, but they increase over time, slowly but surely. His coping mechanisms? First, sucking his thumb. Secondly, his security blanket, both of which get him a fair amount of grief, particularly the blanket which everyone ridicules him for, for that underlying insecurity. But he has an intense connection to it, kind of melts down if he's without it. Over time, Linus learns how to use his blanket as a whip and a parachute and a long-range snatcher of objects. His struggle becomes his superpower, despite the best efforts of his nagging antagonist, his sister Genevieve, I mean Lucy. <laughs> Good grief. Well, son, I'll tell you, in my understanding, there are no accidents in the universe. I'm beginning to understand how hard this world is for you to understand at first and even harder for you to trust. Still, you rise every day and shine. And you trust us, and you catch us when we fall. And you love us through our life with you. And you do this not in spite of your thorn, but in the light of it. That's one of a jillion reasons why we love you. Life for us ain't been no crystal stair. Probably never will be, exactly. And we would have it no other way. Truth be told, the crystals we keep in our house aren't for bling, they're for healing. And they're a little rough around the growing edges, but very good for grief, super powerful for grace. Everything is in its right place, which is where your toys need to be right now. <laughs> Love, Dad. train wreck in the morning I'm a witch in the afternoon Every now and then without warning I can be really mean toward you I'm a puzzle, yes indeed Ever complex in every way And oh, 
the pieces aren't even in the box and yet you see the picture clear as day I don't know why you love me and that's why I love you you catch me when I fall accept me flaws and all and that's why I love you and that's why I invite you to join me in a space of prayer, meditation, or reflection as your spirit moves you. These are some words from the Tao Te Ching, chapter 13, but please look to the divine of your understanding. When humiliation comes, accept it with grace. Know that misfortune happens in the nature of things. This means not to dwell on oneself and neither become attached to loss or gain. Misfortune comes to all embodied creatures. Surrender yourself to the workings of the Tao. Serve those around you, and you'll be entrusted with the care of all the world. Love the world as your own self, and you'll become a trustee of the earth. Please take a moment now for your own personal silence as your spirit moves you. I say, blessed be. Music Meditation is a piece written by Tom York of Radiohead while he was having a mental breakdown. So this is a piece of grace that got him through that. While you invite, while you drop silent stones, we'll play this for you. It's a piece called Everything in Its Right Place.
Anthony, thank you for your wisdom, your heart, for you. And thank you all for joining us today. I hope you will all plan to log in this afternoon and join us via Zoom for the ordination ceremony for Jen Raffensperger, which will begin at four. As is our custom, we'll open that room a little early and have gathering music before the ceremony begins at four o'clock. We close this morning with the words of Jenny Watson. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. You need to know that your struggle is a real one. Remember that not all things are visible and provable. Love, faith, pain, anxiety, depression, compassion, these aren't always quantifiable. They aren't always measurable. They are often invisible, but they are real. And so are you. You won't always see the wonderful ways in which you shift the world. They may be invisible to you, but I promise you, they are real. Amen. Written by Donnie Hathaway and Eddie Howard. Donnie Hathaway worked with the thorn of paranoid schizophrenia and um, channeled that pain into his voice in a way that made it very beautiful healing for many people. This is a piece that Eddie Howard wrote to Donnie Hathaway to encourage him through his thorn. So we'll leave you with this piece called Someday We'll All Be Free.